Hey guys, this is me talking to my buddy Paul Bulo. He's a guy I work with and we just talk. Like this is like a real life relationship where you can talk with your buddy. There's no boundaries, there's no getting offended, you just talk. So this was fun for me just to talk to somebody um, that really genuinely just does not give two fucks. So enjoy. Oh, and share my stuff with your friends. That'd be super cool if you guys could share this. Just like text people and be like, hey, have you checked out this podcast? It's really cool. This guy, Tyler, he's my friend. I think he's retarded or something. (laughs) Experience true vulnerability, how to overcome trials. You will laugh, cry, and experience everything in between. Welcome to the King of Corona. Brought to you by Tyler Griffith. Oh, yeah. So you got a, that pit bull. What's is that? Just a straight pit next door? Like, just a straight fucking he's got two of them. pit. You should see him, dude. Bubba. He's huge. He's like 95 pounds. And he's yeah. just like... And you can tell he just doesn't have a brain. You know what I mean? He's just yeah. all like... He doesn't, like, he doesn't have a fucking brain, dude. Yeah. He's, he's like, like some sales reps. Exactly. Or those guys Dude. you see at the gym that are like, me bigger. I love, I want to have, I legit want to have some type of healthy competition Ooh, at the gym. Yes. Where? Okay. So, either men or women, whether it be some type of, I don't even, I guess that's that's where CrossFit comes from, right? Because they, yeah. they, they compete against each other, right? Uh-huh. So, maybe I need to get into CrossFit then. So I will do CrossFit with you because I was thinking about joining. Because and I, I like f- the competition. I but do too, dude. The thing about the cross, the competition for me though, it becomes too much to where I will injure myself because I will not lose. Yeah, we're recording. All right, right on. But like, I'm the same. So like, I'd like to have a healthy competition. I just signed up for this thing, the 75 day challenge with my brother. So it's uh, I can send it to you. 75 days, and you do uh, two workouts a day, 45 minutes each. One has to be outside. And then okay. you got to be on a diet, whatever diet you decide. And then you have to be, it's like all this shit. I can't remember all of it, but all right. it's fun to have some sort of competition. Anyway, let's, let's, let's back it up. I'm going to self-introduce myself. All right. My name's Paul Alexander Bulow. I'm 39 years old. You should probably turn that music down at least, because I think last time we did this, we had music it was overpowering. Was it? Yeah, it was, like it was intense. All right, let me back uh, it up. <clears throat> um... I'm Paul Alexander Bulow, 39 years old. I was born in Frankfurt, Illinois. Um, at home. Okay. My mom at had, home. At home. My mom had me at home um, January 23rd, 1982. But kind of 22nd. That's another story in itself. Okay. 1982. So, yeah. So that's me. And uh, happy, to be here, happy to be here on this podcast. That's the podcast. Happy to, uh, to share some knowledge and some thoughts and some interests yeah well the reason so me and paul i'll kind of go into how i know you so paul moved here well we'll like we'll back to, i'll just say how i know you real quick and then we'll get into it but so basically we work together we do uh, solar so he's actually the person that goes out and sits with people and sells them and makes relationships and then but he moved here from uh Ordway, we'll get into that. Ordway, Colorado, that was his favorite. He's 
It's his favorite spot he's ever been so far in his life. And so <laughs> he came and interviewed with us, and he interviewed with my buddy Aaron, but Aaron was kind of like, he, he was like a little bit, what, what would you say? Like when you interviewed with Pure Energy, it was a little like we just started, like we were just starting out, and then you were probably thinking like, this is a cool office. Seems like they kind of got their shit together, but like not really. <laughs> yeah, I was on a mission. I was on a mission from God to get the to get out of Ordway, Colorado, right? <laughs> hell or high water, as they would say. So I was just really looking for anything, and solar is always something that interests me. And I talked to Aaron on the phone. Actually, he just called me um, off of some I don't know what. You probably imply like indeed. Yeah, probably indeed or something. So he called and he goes, "Yeah, it was just it was kind of a nonchalant conversation." And he goes, "Yeah, we're up in the springs." And um, I was like on the farm, which is a whole different con- a whole different story. Yeah. How I like landed in, in Colorado, but he just basically said, "You know, come up and, and meet everybody." You know, we have a nice office place, and and then um, I met with like two different solar companies that day with Ion Solar and then us uh, now being Pure Energy. So. With that, uh, yeah, so that's how I got to know Tyler. But I, and, So uh, I kind of usually just like brush by. Interviews happen. People get hired. I meet them as they come on. For whatever reason, the day Paul came in, like I was at the office. And I was like, oh, okay, this guy seems like he's like a real-life human being. Because you don't run across those super often. It's a lot of times you run into like, my name is Mr. Robot Man, and I have a good resume. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's we, what I run into. We meet mostly. all types. We meet all types. I know, but like, imagine before you, before yeah. I hired you, that. I was only running into like True that. So like, you came on, and I was like, real life people, yay, totally. <laughs> so anyway, let's back up. So that's how we know each other. So Paul, he's got a pretty interesting story. So we kind of took like different paths in life, but uh, so you kind of know the point on my podcast, right? Just trying to help people like with your life. So you just, you walk me through your life and then it's kind of like, where were things where you're like, uh-oh, kind of like hit a wall and then how did you decide to push through? Like eventually you'll get to like how you got to Colorado, mm-hmm. but like childhood oh, yeah. and stuff. Oh yeah. Hero, I mean, I've been through many, many lives and many journeys in this life of 39 years on this planet being that we moved around a lot when we were kids. We were always on the move. Um, we went from... Chicago, lived there for a couple of years, and we went to Florida. So we had this like tropical Florida life. So that's why I fell in love with like the warm climate, the beach, we're tan all year round. We went back to Chicago for middle school. Be nice. Oh yeah, Florida was great as a kid. I mean, you just didn't know. Um, my dad ran a furniture company in Florida. Okay. And distribution, so he'd actually drive to Raleigh, North Carolina, where they actually manufactured the furniture. Oh really? And then drive it back to Florida when like a thousand people a day were moving to Florida at the time. Like a ridiculous amount of people were influx. And so they're buying... 1,000 people per day were yeah, moving there? Yeah, back in the, early, in the early 90s. People were just like flooding and flocking to Florida at that Wait, where'd you start? You were where? Oh... In I, Illinois? Yeah, I was, born in, I was born in Chicago. That's where my parents, they met in Timley Park, Illinois. And then you moved to Florida when you were what? Two. And then you, how long were you in Florida? Um, 10 years. So 10 years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... So the sun life, the beach life. Beach uh, life, yeah. My dad did pretty well, but then he got kind of mixed up and kind of got backwards. And mm-hmm. and then we were basically like get back to Chicago status. And so, so yeah, it was an interesting time. Um, 
we were always different in sports and, you know, with all the different aspects of it. And then back to Chicago for middle school. And then uh, that was a climate change in my life. Yeah. So from Florida back to Chicago, and I was just horrible. Never got used to the cold there. But like, yeah, cli- like climate change. Yeah, that's like... It's huge. When you go from something like Florida... So what is that like? Because I feel like... Uh, I guess I went to Guatemala for two, two years and came back and experienced that a little bit, but... You're somewhere for 10 years as like a kid. You get accustomed to that. Mm-hmm. It's like a lifestyle. So then you yeah. move to Chicago and then what? Like you're like, well, fuck. So we had, we had cousins and, and, and grandparents and, you know, family was there. So that was, a, that was a, the comfort that so we were always around. And then, you know, you just, you just dressed for the occasions and you just, that, yeah. was, that was it. You didn't really have much choice. So, um, so, yeah, middle school was interesting. You know, it was a uh, grissom. Vol- Virgil J. Grissom, uh, high school. Uh, middle up. school? Middle school, yeah. Six, well, you seven, gotta, six, seven, eight. You've got to back up more than this because was it elementary school with the football coach that used to blow smoke in your ear? Oh, that's another story. So when we were in, in uh, we, were, we were back in middle school at that point in time. Okay. So we're like, what, 13, 14 years old? You're like in sixth grade. Yeah. And you're in Pop Warner football. And uh, my grandfather actually started the football program in Tinley Park, Illinois, uh, the Bulldogs. And so all my uncles were, were you know, they played. My um, uncle was an All-American running back at Illinois. Uh-huh. And my dad was also very successful um, in high school. He, like, broke records for defense and et cetera, et cetera. So with football, we were completely bred for it. And my cousins were good. And I'm coming from Florida, where we didn't play football in Florida. It was people you know, don't play football there. I mean, we I didn't. I played baseball and, and basketball. But it wasn't like pushed on kids. Like no, it is. no, not at all. It's I weird, mean, huh? It changes like state to state. So we'd have these coaches, and uh, I was a husky kid, big boned, as my grandma would say, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd go play with my cousins, and I was a little bit older than them, and also a little bit heavier than them, and I had to make weight. So these coaches, man, they were so they were so crazy. So they would like tie trash bags around you, <laughs> full pads, trash bags. It's like eighty degrees, like in the humid, you know, summer. And, were and, they like tape them so it's like and they were like sealed? And then make you run extra laps after practice and stuff, and basically like, kind of humiliate you. And, like that's sh- pretty bad. In front of, and then you got your friends that are obviously like not overweight. Oh yeah, so they don't got to do it. No. So oh, basically, yeah. they're looking at you like. Well, practice hey, is look at Paul. Well, practice is over for them. They're taking their pads off and drinking water. Practice, and then so the but the worst bit of it all, I think, was like this guy would smoke a big fat cigar, and I, I got this I got this guy in my head, and he's just got this big handlebar mustache, and like the blue hat, and like the little shorts, and and so you, you know, just, you, like this guy's never left your memory. Well, I'm just saying, it's tough to do. So he smoked a big fat cigar, and then he it was my my first season. And, and you're I, how old? Eight, nine, uh, no, maybe a little bit older than that. You know what I mean? Ten. Yeah. And so he'd grab you by the helmet if you fucked up the play, and he'd blow a big fat cigar puff in the ear <laughs> hole of your helmet, and he'd tell you not, and shake your helmet and tell you not to mess up, and you know, swatch you on the Dude. head and tell you to get back out there. And I, you know what? I think it, was, it actually helped me out in, in some ways. It gave me, it gave me an aversion. <laughs> I hate tobacco more than anything. Yeah. I have an aversion to. That's tobacco. probably why. Yeah, I really, I really hate tobacco, especially cigars and cigar smoke. So, um, but you know, everyone. But that was Chicago, and you didn't say anything. It was a coach. It was football. You got to be tough and all that stuff. And so, yeah. it's come a long ways. And even um, 
I'm sure that you know stuff like that still happens in bigger places like Texas and uh, where football programs are just so pushed on people and yeah. football in particular though because it's, you have to have this intensity of it's like, so weird yeah I mean, it, and I was very talented at an athletic standpoint but I never had the I never really wanted to hurt people but you always like because I so I coached so I coached my son right now so he's eight so I went to football practice today or I went we had a football game. It's, we just made it fun. Like the kids are laughing, but then like, it's so funny how you can just you can take something that some people think like, you gotta be a fucking man and you gotta get smoke blown in your face. We're gonna tie you in trash bags and this is gonna make you good at football. It's like you could also go this route where it's really fun and like oh, <laughs> learn the plays yeah. and get really well, talented and just, do it with like a positive experience i mean i'm we're older man so it was just mm-hmm. a whole different it was just a different thing back in the day you know yeah it's and, weird and you never and you never talked about it but also this was in the south side of chicago mind you yeah. you know what i mean and so when i would go to the bus stop every day and my little brother had some psychological disorders we didn't know about at the time and he would yell the n-word and, <laughs> and i'd get my ass kicked every single so day so you would get your ass kicked because i had to because you were associated he was, yeah he was little and you're I like was, please fucking yeah, stop <laughs> every stop, day please. and he'd almost do it just to like just to see oh, me get my butt geez. kicked so. that's fun so, but also we were in chicago ymca and boxing so we did boxing we did uh football basketball and baseball and i ran track so we did it. We did it all. Yeah, I was successful at all, but I love basketball for the best because yeah. it, it was an indoor sport. I could wear shorts and a t-shirt. It was climate controlled, and uh, there's a flow to the game that was like, you know, you needed you needed to be more than just this big aggressive meathead guy. Yeah, you need to have some, some finesse and some the finesse factor. And then I had that, but I needed to, I needed to cultivate that. So um, I actually, you know, that horrific story of. Sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, searching for your name on the board oh. for the team, and your name not being there, and you're like, wait a minute, and you search for it like maybe three times. So you were trying out, like you were trying yeah. hard oh, to yeah. make these teams. But in in middle school, it was in Chicago, so there was yeah. there was maybe you know maybe 30, 30 boys going out for a squad of maybe eight or nine. Okay, so that most people were getting 10. cut. Most were getting cut, but I was you know I thought at the time that was close. Yeah, so. But this is like you were still like kind of husky at this point, or no? Still a little bit husky at the time. Okay, yeah, exactly. And it wasn't until um, I graduated eighth grade and I had a big growth spurt mm. over summer, and then then we moved to um, outside Madison, Wisconsin, to Mount Horb, Wisconsin. Madison. So life is cyclic, right? It happens in patterns. Uh-huh. So you learn from these things, and my life is definitely in, in, in cyclic too, because moving to Florida and then moving back to Chicago is a huge climate change. It's a huge yeah. life change. And then even going to Wisconsin, going from a big city to a tiny city. I mean, it was very small. You you do keep doing this. What are you doing? It's very cyclic, right? So why does that happen? What is that? Have Uh, you researched that? Just kind of putting this together, actually, as we're we're kind of... Because now Ordway, you went to Ordway. So that's, yeah, that's a whole different thing. So this is my young life. So you yeah. need to do, but also I was very good at meeting people uh-huh. because you go to different places and you don't know anyone. So I was, I got to be very good. So by the time I got to high school, I yeah. was very, I was already charismatic. I already had a personality. Um, I knew how to talk to people and I knew, and, and it wasn't easy. It wasn't hard for me to go to Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yeah. I walked in and I was like a celebrity. So do you feel like you kind of made your personality what it was or do you feel like it just kind of happened with your life happening the way it did? Yeah, it was definitely my life happening the way it did, but also 
my family was a huge influence. Yeah. My uncles, my cousins, and the people that I worked around. I mean, I mean, I was doing roofing at, at in, in eighth grade. You know, they put me on the roof. Yeah, you were making good money. Stripping the roof, and they would give me this pile. Not to make this all about me, by the way. This is all about you. Oh, okay. Everybody knows all about me. All I right. talk like I have hours of me talking about me. All right, all right. So I'm this just is saying. Like, this I, is I'll, your story. All right. Yeah, so if you have a well, question for me, you could ask it. But this is about you. <laughs> so go for okay. it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Digital download here, man. So um, I was, what, 13, and I worked for Holland Construction, John Holland. And he was this big Dutchman. Very good man, and he picked me up every morning at like five in the morning, and then for the summer, and we'd go to the job. We'd go straight to a cafe, a Greek cafe, and we'd get like the Paul Bunyan special every fucking morning, and eat pancakes. The and Paul Bunyan pancakes, bacon and eggs every day. Uh, every every morning, he'd pick me up and go get breakfast. He'd feed you a big breakfast, and then he. Who was this? The guy John you Holland. With? Yeah, Holland. So he was like a guy that you like kind of looked was, up to. That was my dad's friend, and yeah. he, he said, "Yeah, your thirteen-year-old son can come be a laborer for my construction crew." And your dad was like, "Sweet, but bet go run it too go. easy." So <laughs> bet too easy, muscle, muscle. You know what I mean? And so. Um, <laughs> You know, but he paid me five bucks an hour. But you know who also he hired? Ex-convicts oh. and felons and Ooh. thugs and rough people. So you were around some... So that's who I... That's how my influence was. Okay. And they would teach me, like, the most audacious things. Like, don't pop wheelies on your motorcycle with a girl in the back. And I'd be like, oh, yeah. That's good. That's, that's, that's sounded, Seems like common sense. Sound advice. But I probably would have done it sound, if you didn't just say that. Sound advice. What right? happened to the girl? So, oh, she died? Oh, that sucks. All your personality is based <laughs> off all these people that you meet in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. And that's how I truly believe that we were, we're all the same. Yeah. We're all one person, you know, but we all have our own distinctions and our own ways of expressing ourselves. But to be stuck to a persona and to a personality... Because you're always different in different stages and different that you go through. Yeah. So to hold on to something, people get, they want to be like, when I grow up, I want to become this. And, but you're never that for very long. You Just make, because, you know what? Just wait. It'll change. Well, that's what's so sad about, because I was thinking about doing, I talked about this on a podcast, but I was thinking about doing like dental school, being a dentist. And then like my whole identity was being sucked into like, I'm going to be a dentist now. Right. And then it's like. Once you put that much time and effort into something, you become that and it becomes so much of your identity right. that it's hard to walk away from something if you no longer enjoy it. And so I think it's important for people to recognize really, not super early on, but have the time to be able to realize like what you want to attach yourself to. And some people just, some people are just so eager to please somebody else or make a lot of money that they attach themselves to something that they shouldn't. Anyway. I get that. I'm just talking about more of a metaphysical way. Like, did you create your personality or did it happen to you? So, yeah. um, you know, there was times in my life that I thought I wanted to be something. And then I almost got to that place and it wasn't it. And you're like, okay, so what's next? Uh, you know? But then it created like part of your personality yeah. when you did it. So back up. So John Holland, Holland Construction, we would in the morning go to a house, rip off all the shingles and rip them to one side of the roof or the other. Uh-huh. And then he'd give me a fucking pitchfork, a wheelbarrow, and an open-ended dumpster. And he'd say, all right, Paul, here so you he go. just a little worker. Here you go. And you'd look at the pile, and it would be like eight feet tall, maybe like 20 feet long. You know, the side of the house. And you're thinking, there's no way that I'm going to be able to put all of that into that 
today. Yeah. And by the end of the eight hours, how in the world your ass has moved all of that shingles one wheelbarrow at a time. But then you wake up and you do it again every day. So you beca- that, Were you that like summer I beca- out of your mind. That summer I came, I became a man. And then you also have to carry the shingles up the ladder. And so you put, you put a shing- uh, So at the there's a bundle. They're yeah. called bundles of shingles. So at the end of the summer, I was carrying like four bundles of shingles at a time up the yeah, ladder. And the beginning, you just got used to it. In the beginning of the summer, I was doing like one bundle. So it's kind of how like our dudes carry the solar panels up the ladders to the roof. Yeah, exactly. So so I was doing roofing. So yeah. it was my first labor job. And at the end of that summer, I understood working hard sucks yeah. and it's terrible. And then I better understand how to make some money a different way because the men that I saw, and especially the convicts and stuff, the old guys... And you're thinking, you're thinking, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, let me never, <laughs> let me never become that man and do this job. And because so, there's only, that's what sucks too, though. There's only so many jobs those guys can get. Like, you, you like fuck up a little bit in life, and then it limits you so bad. That's part of life too, though. Is like the way our culture is set up. If you fuck up, you are limited. <laughs> it's just the truth. Well, laws and, and parameters of those laws are all construed to one person. And you can be told, okay, these are the law. Well, I'm not trying to get too ODD on you guys real quick right now. <laughs> ODD. So ODD, of fi- obsessive defiant disorder. There my, you go. My cousin uh, is a behavioral therapist at a Fountain High School, and she's, she said I may be borderline ODD, but <laughs> it's because I was in cannabis for so long, and they said yeah. it was wrong, and then they told me it was okay, like completely That's fine. That's been your whole life, though, because you grew up like religious also, <laughs> so you were raised to believe all this stuff, but you... Yeah, I mean, but um, I will say, back to religious and Christianity, we did go to a full gospel Protestant, 98% black church called Christian, yes. called Christian Hills, and that was the most fun that I ever had at church. And that's why I really fell in love with black people and, and African-American and, and the race and the culture and, yeah. and the community and and the barbecues and the just everything about it. Man, we'd have revivals and we'd have like apostles and uh, people come like for a, yeah. a whole weekend and it'd be like this big barbecue party revival thing. So it was amazing. It was great. It was that's really like, great. Because I, I talked to this Reuben guy, so he grew up like Baptist. Yeah. But he said they would do a... Uh, it just sounded like a fun time. And then he was like in the barber shops, just yeah. chopping it up. And... Well, I mean, my two parents were the only white people in the whole choir. You know, and they, they were rocking back and forth and doing yeah. what they could do. And church was fun. And they had, there was like a band and like a concert. And then, you know what I mean? And then for me, <laughs> it was also just like a whole new aspect of life. And then I'd actually go home with the different families um, on Sunday because there'd be Sunday morning and Sunday evening church. Yeah. So I got to go home with the families and like hang out with a black family during the day. And dude, talk about eye-opening experiences. So it was, like, was it totally different? Completely different. But like, in like a very positive, cool way. Absolutely. I mean, it was no like negativity or whatever else. It wasn't like fucking, you know, thugs and Johnny coming over and shooting crack and stuff like that. It was just, <laughs> like, they... it was just like a regular family. I mean, yeah. maybe just like just, just more, just more chill or more just like do whatever you want type thing where my family's a little bit more like strict like you had your parameters of like what was yeah you know acceptable but then in you know so it was cool so in that in that regards you know there's so many different ways of cultivating your personality and your was persona this, you know was this the this is like the church and like the religion you were part of like that your mom is still part of right now so they my mom twitches churches like all the time which is um, I think it's cool because 
you know, she just finds different communities and different things. And now, now her and her husband are very, very well off. Yeah. Like multi, 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 multi. And, um, so like me, <laughs> like me and you in, <laughs> If we could count our like cells, we're all billionaires in, in our cellular mm-hmm. form, by the way. So if you ever, if yeah. you ever, if you ever worry about how much money you have, just know you're you're a billionaire. People, out I'm there, a billionaire. Okay? I already knew that. You have, you have more than a billion. I'm cells. a trillionaire. So they 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 go to different churches. They uh they're great. And so what, what's what, their what's their thing though? Like, what does she hold on to then? If she switches churches, like, what's is it just the core mm. beliefs of like Christ? Is that like her kind of thing, or what was like? I don't. What know. was she holding to with religion? I mean, not just protects or something. Not or? holding to. My mom was a my mom was a, a, a religious gangster. Remember, a spiritual gangster. You see those t-shirts? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, no. You never seen I, that? Maybe that was a, I mean, maybe a Los Angeles. There's these like t-shirts or sweatshirts. Spiritual. Like, spiritual. I'm a spiritual. Oh, gangster. maybe. I was like, do you know what a gangster is? Because yeah. I don't think you're. It's not the same. So that's a funny term to me, spiritual, spiritual gangster. Spiritual gangster. But if any, if there any time there was, my mom was. So my Sounds mom like a was. Coolio song so my, my 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 <laughs> my mom was actually raised Catholic, and okay. so was my dad. And then their first generation Protestant. So my mom actually went to the nunnery in Pennsylvania. That she was a nun. to to become a nun. So okay. she went to the nunnery. So she's like drawn to that, like. Just being very holy, spiritual. Oh, my mom like, is my mom is an angel. She's like a mama is ethereal and wonderful and lovely. Yeah. And I'm so glad to fall in love with her again. Being so funny because I feel adult. like your seriously your mom and my mom would be like best friends. Yeah, dude. I quarantined with my mom for uh, uh, almost three weeks, dude. When when COVID three hit, weeks. I was living downtown Chicago, uh-huh. and I was like, maybe this is not the best place to be. And my mom was. <laughs> My mom lives in this gigantic house on this golf course, and she's like, "Yeah, Paul, come stay with come stay with me." And I was like, "Hell yeah, dude!" Me and my mom like watch TV and like made dinner for her. Like it was great, it was dude. Amazing. It was amazing, dude. It was amazing. Yeah. So I I got to fall in love with her again, which then like healed a lot of my senses. But I'm like, oh, this is why I do all the searching for all these women all the time. Yeah. Because I miss I was missing something with my mom. So I got to that point, and dude, that's so healing. I talked to my mom today before I went out. Okay. And like she filled me up with such good, just like happy, chill vibes that my day was just like good. It's so, isn't it crazy? Yeah. Mom, mom's crazy. the best, dude. So, so she was the nunnery. They slapped her wrist for saying God bless you to someone during Ooh. a vow of silence. Like words like chastising her. And she's like, you know what? She was doing a vow of silence? Yeah. So you had to take a vow of silence and then someone sneezed and she said God bless you to them. Oh. And then they tore her out of whatever it was and like, like. Like beating her, like slapping her wrist and stuff. They did not. Yes, and then she's like, "Whatever." So she ran, dude. It's like sound of music. In the sound of the hills are alive. She's just sprinting. She's like, "Yeah, get me out of here." So she takes back off in Pennsylvania, (laughs) like, like gets on a Greyhound back to Chicago. PTSD sees my dad back in town, hometown. He's been asking her out for like four years in high school. And then she comes out of her like, okay, I'm not going to be a nun anymore. I better have like a wife and family. Mm. And then my dad swooped her up in his like Volkswagen bug full He's of like, construction tools. Girl. Full of construction tools and like concrete splatter and everything. You like this bug? So, <laughs> so yeah. I wow. Love, we're we're going, bugs. going down memory lane. Memory Paint, lane. I'm just painting you guys like a, a beautiful picture of, of a past. But... We all have a different past. We all have a different uh, way we come from, and like where. But 
I was loved in my family as a kid. I really yeah. was. I was a part of a kid, a family of five, and I had a mom and a dad, and they were together until I moved out of the house, and they were very different. And my dad was like this undercover, like hippie, druggy. He, yeah, he was like, like that guy. He's <laughs> like, like I mean, my dad was this. He told me at a very young age, yeah. if you ever want to try any drugs, come to me first. Because I've done it all. So he did the he did the like I am actually going to be a parent thing. He did, but yeah. before that was even a thing. And then I remember our me and my friends getting food poisoning at like thirteen, and like mm-hmm. at, from a party, you know, something we ate some bad food. So we were all puking all night. And he came down <laughs> and he accused us of doing mushrooms. Oh, right. And I didn't even understand. I'm like mushrooms. Like, I'm like I don't maybe, want. I want to do those now. Like, like maybe like it. mushrooms were maybe on the pizza or something. I didn't even know what he was talking about. Yeah, you're like so mushrooms. He's like. Come here, let's do some mushrooms. <laughs> How old were you? 13. Like 13. He's like, mushroom time, like, Paul. He goes, oh, you guys eating those mushrooms? He's like, is Paul? that why you're puking and stuff? I was like, um, what are you talking about? He said, about? Paul. Let me tell so, you a secret. The reason dude, I think you're on mushrooms, I'm tripping mushrooms right now. Yeah. <laughs> you me out. <laughs> no, my old man was the best though, man. Yeah, sounds like Yeah, it. rest, God rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest yeah, that's soul. tough for you, huh? Eh, pops, uh, too good for this world type stuff. You yeah. know, when like, musicians or like just people go out early yep that's what my dad was about and everyone loved my dad he can he could talk to anybody get through to anybody mm-hmm. he had this way of living and thinking that was just so refreshing and like his comic relief and his way of just like i think chicago has that because it's like so rough and tough yeah and the weather and everything else is so rough and tough that you have a way of like just laughing it off yeah, so that like, was my dad's like superhero yeah. strength dude my dad's similar. Like, my dad was, like, very into, like, the Mormon religion. But then secret FBI agent, like, he'd take you alone and talk to you like a real person. But then I feel like he had this barrier with the religion where he couldn't cross certain things. Mm. So, like, drugs, alcohol, coffee, all that was, like, off the table. Mm, so, like, we would go get drunk in Mexico. Me and my three brothers. We're, like, little kids. Me and my brother would steal bracelets and go basically, like get all these drinks and then we'd line them up and get drunk hammer drunk my dad i knew he knew but he wouldn't just be like hey guys like let's have a talk about this because he's never my mom and dad have both claimed to have never even tried a sip of alcohol of alcohol oh, or wow. it's hard to give like advice if you don't if you don't have like perspective but he was similar to your dad where he'd kind of pull you aside and give you real world advice which i think is super helpful and i think like so many people are so stuck in something they don't want to do, and then they're pushing that same thing on their kid, which is crazy. Anyway, so we were talking about your dad. Um, we kind of like skipped forward, but uh, so it's going back to my mom and being a nun and, and like being spiritual. So my grandfather was a deacon of the Catholic Church. So what's a deacon? So deacons like are not a priest. Like an elder. Yeah, it's an elder, so he could give mass and do everything, but he also could be married. Oh, okay. So he was married, but then decided he wanted to serve. So that's who a, can't get so married. That's a deacon, uh, a priest. Yeah, yeah, the priests. They it's can't the get married. Only religion, dude. It's like the okay. only religion that that, that forbids them. Ooh. I know. But they can I'm... have sex or no? No. So they're celibate for life. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's Even where all too, that. Dude. So that's where all yes, that sexual yes, yes. shit comes from. Of course, from. it's just it's just a regression. And if you say if you tell someone that they can't do something. I don't care who you are. It's all all limited belief systems are are, are, are self-imposed, in my opinion. And yeah. so 
that's you're gonna make a mountain out of a molehill because of someone said you can't do something. Yeah, every girl that I'm interested in is the one that I can't be with. <laughs> I'm like, let me prove you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, it is. That's how people are. Yeah. Well, I'm just Defiant. saying. So with that, like Catholic, and then they went Protestants, and then okay. so when they went to, so I was a part of Billy Graham. You know uh-huh. Billy Graham. The big, huge uh, Christian pastor that had a gigantic church in Florida. So a lot of people, yeah, know, I don't a, know. Lo- well, a lot sure of people, a lot of people know. People I know you're, you're Mormon, so you're strange. But it, Bill, <laughs> um, <laughs> Billy Graham was like this Christian. <laughs> just kidding, not really. Kinda, uh, yeah, yeah. You're right. um, so, but Billy Graham, he had this gigantic church, like with a hospital and a senior citizens center and. He'd give these huge like sermons, and he was very well renowned. Yeah. And we went to his church, and my dad actually sold him furniture, swagger, like to the to the swagger. to like the hospital, and like to the. He, my dad sold major major furniture through the church. Well, he like made bank off of the church. Burn, boy, I went to Billy Graham's kids' birthday parties and yeah. stuff like that, and I was like, there was like so my, as my dad was going and doing business, <laughs> and um. I think about it now, and I think it's really funny. People know who Billy Graham is, and I'm not making yeah. I'm, not, I'm not making that it up. It sounds so, familiar, but so there's just all these ins and outs. So the main part of Christianity, as I saw, is the actually the establishment itself, and the structure, and the building, and the electrical bills, and other bills, and salaries, and this and that. It ends up being a business. Uh-huh. And um, I saw the ins and outs of that because my family would run the kids church portion of this of the church itself so we'd be deep in it so your like, dad and mom ran that yeah so, oh, yeah okay. and then so they would do that and that was their ministry and puppets and puppet i would like i'd be a puppeteer and all that stuff you were and, a puppet. oh yeah yeah were, like deep, you'd be up behind the scenes like uh-huh, doing do the puppets yeah puppeteer. would you be doing the voices fuck yeah and then we'd have to do uh we'd have to do <laughs> training and you have to put your hand in the air for like did you try hello it? my name is <laughs> paul exactly. i like the church exactly. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, we're opening up here, people. This has been. This is already uh, seriously. Yeah, did puppets? I'm going deep here. Yeah, puppeteering. I was what, good too. I was, was the, the best puppet? puppeteer. Did you do puppets at Sunday service? Yeah. Or when was the? Do yeah. you have like puppet Sunday night? morning. Yeah, Sunday morning. The, all the, the the kids would be. Uh, oh, this is for the. This is you said. This is for the kids. Yeah, the kids. This is like the little kids, kids. church. Yeah, kids church. Oh, okay. I thought you were. Do- I forgot. Oh, you said for the for the kids I church. You were church. In the adults. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like doing listen puppets. to me. Hi ho, Kermit the Church Frog here. <laughs> could you imagine? Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess you could because you were pretty much doing that. Yeah, it was cool. And then All we'd right, go to so... other churches and do puppet shows too, bro. The puppet shows were the jail. Are you doing like soft puppets? Or are you doing like that. legit puppets? Oh my god. Are these like I, good puppets? These are good puppets, man. They'd like, be straight like, up puppets. We'd like have a, Muppet puppets? A stage. And everything, man. We Dude, have lights. You got pictures of this? It, no, I bear, I haven't thought about that, and I can't even. And now tell you're how like, long. I gotta get back into puppet making right now. That's you know what's thinking. funny is certain types of cannabis is like a remember all. There's like yeah. there's like a Harry Potter thing where you like you, you're sent this thing and you remember things. Uh-huh. I sometimes I smoke a certain type of cannabis and it dives me into this like wormhole of this memory of my life. So going back to church puppeteering <laughs> also check this out this makes sense as well when i would get in trouble in middle school yeah. i don't know what i would do to get in trouble stay out late or i don't know what yeah. i would do not do my chores not do my chores or like get 
get caught making out with a girl in the basement Ooh, of the church. Yeah, that's that was bad. The, that was the best. You got caught doing that. Okay. Uh, you know what the worst? Nicole Lamonto and I were disavowed from like hanging out with each other because we decided to leave our families in the main part of the church to go in the balcony and she put her head on my shoulder the whole entire service. And it <laughs> just was put her, just put her head there, that's on it. On my shoulder and so it you was didn't the, kiss? It was the talk of the church boy. It, we would sh- we we should have just been dry humping in front on the stage, basically. Because that's about how oh, it felt. Yeah. Ooh, baby, it was Nicole Lamont. And she just she put her head. What was that? She head must have my, been so she sad. She's like, Paul, dude, can you walk outside? That was and in I middle can school. Just put my head on your shoulder. Well, fast forward to high school when I hooked up with her and Christina Lamont, okay. which was ends, being, was ends up being her sister. So, I'm telling you, when you say you can't do something. Then, yeah. then, then, then it comes back around in Christianity and all that other stuff. I mean, so um, I forgot all about what I was talking about. So you were talking about. <laughs> okay, back, you ended with right. Christianity. Dang, and Christina and Nicola Monto. Yeah, and then you just got lost wow. in that thought. Wow. You're like, Anyhow, Ooh, that was fun. I'm going to back up to the fact that when I used to get in trouble in, in middle school. <laughs> My mom would make me go with Pastor Sherwood. Who is Sherwood. This, he looked like the penguin from Batman. Oh, so he was terrifying looking. <laughs> and we had that have big old to nose go, and everything. Yeah, he was the penguin from Batman. It's like and things we would on his suck face. on Coca Colas and drink Snickers before we'd go. We'd get hopped up, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. We would get hopped up, because boy. He gave it to you, right? Yeah. And we, I never could have that stuff, bro. And it was like to me, I'd, I'd drink, a, drink a Coca Cola and drink and eat a Snickers bar. He was and using. We it. would go door to door around Ooh. the church. Here we and, are we right knock, and we'd go knock on doors, and I'd save lives, man. I'd Hello, be... my name is Paul. I am here to sell you <laughs> so the church. That's something. That's a parameter in life that we have uh, in common. Is that yeah, we've, we gone, both we've sold gone door gospel. to door. But you know what, man? I'd take it seriously. Hopped on my Coca Cola, and I'd say, "Would you like to say the Lord's Prayer right now and save your soul from eternal damnation?" I'd sing hymns with people. <laughs> I'd say in front of Guatemala and Guatemala. I would save people's lives right then and there, and I'd say thank you so much for doing that. that yeah. I, I really appreciate you giving your life to Dude. God. And I we would leave, <laughs> and me and Pastor Sherwood would slap hands, and he's like, yeah. you're, "You're good. You're meant for this, boy." And that's how my mom always got in her head because Pastor yeah. Sherwood said. Your boy has a gift for the Lord. Remember Your where you're at. Your boy has got a gift for the Lord. Okay, so I used to go door-to-door knocking, selling gospel in Guatemala. <laughs> so you get people, this is all in Spanish, mind you. So you're sitting there and you're See. like, so imagine you and I, I had some companions that'd be like, you and I, you be my companion. So you're both normal as fuck. But you're like trying to pretend like this is like totally just like normal life. So yeah. we get in front of people, imagine this, me and you, okay? And then there's this little Guatemalan family across the table. There's no table. It's just dirt and shit everywhere. And chickens, like, murdering each other and stuff. And, like, a naked lady bathing in the background, like, And so this is all going on. And then this is what I say to them. Would you mind if we open with a hymn? Oh, my goodness. And they're like, go ahead. And it's all freaking acapella. No music, no piano. You and your companion that's just like you start singing at the top of your cr- lungs. I would crush that. I was man. laughing so hard. I couldn't never. I had to stop. I had to put my hymn book, retire it, because I couldn't get through it anymore. I love it. I would kill the hymn, dude. So I'd go into a gospel thing. Sorry, that just triggered that, that memory, which is too precious not to share. Would you like to do a hymn now? Probably. And everybody say yes, 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 
Yes, yes, yes, yes, yes. Put a lot of time into the words of this song. Yes, yes to your will. Yes to your will. Hallelujah. Yes to your will. Praise Jesus. Everybody say. Yes. yes. All right, cool. That was a good hymn. Was that really one of your hymns? Um, yes. Was you up there singing? Did you do solos? Yes. Oh, so awesome. Yes, I was the kid. You were the dude. Yes, I was. All right. So that was, that was a good hymn. Thank Paul's you. Paul's got a voice. Karaoke. Come see us Thursdays. Rhinos. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Youth choir, we sang in the choir, we go around, we go to like Oklahoma and these weird ass places in a bus, and uh-huh. we do like this thing, and we'd sing songs, and that's where I got to express myself in solos. So it was fun, and though, I you like that. Yeah, and I got like to touch the girls in the back of the bus and stuff Ooh, like that. that you were singing and part. touching, so you yeah. had it all going <laughs> it <was> on. <laughs> Shay Flanagan at that point in time. Shay, Shay Flanagan. I love how you remember all like the everybody's first and last names. I, I enjoy people's names, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? I guess if um, like if you have if you have history though, that's kind of how you remember them. Yeah, there's a name that I almost dare not mention, but I will mention because Uh-oh. it's probably the most beautiful name in all the world, in my opinion. Which one? It's uh, Nakisa Motamiti. Okay. Yeah. She was the. She, she was the one that got away. She didn't get away. She didn't get away. No, we just it was the one that we shared the most magic with. Yeah, she was just the cleanest. Heard a lot about Nikisa. So, uh, wow, that would that took a turn. That's always. This is what the whole point is. Take as many turns as you want. We'll try to come back. If we don't, who cares? Okay, we go where we're supposed to. So we're so we're still we're still in line to like okay choir church choir. We just sang a hymn. Yeah, we just said uh, an angelic name, and then uh, fast forward to say like high school. So yeah. I go to high school. So high school still Chicago. No, so high school we go to Madison, Wisconsin. The oh yeah, Madison. so my very very first day of Wisconsin was my first day at freshman year. Okay. And so we landed, we moved there. School starts the next day. Madison, K. Let me. Can I pause you? Because yeah, I gotta like go separate this into a different part. Motherfucker would buy Gatorade and Power Bars, and we could eat as many Power Bars as I want, and drink <laughs> as many Gatorades as I wanted to, bro. Like John Holland, so like this. he took care of us. He's like, you're not gonna die. You're yeah. gonna, you're gonna fucking live. That's hilarious. Yeah. Ah, right, so we're back on. But uh, so we were talking about you went, you were in Madison for high school. Outside Madison, yeah, Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. Mount, Mount Horeb. Horeb. Mount Horeb. Uh, Horeb. It's Horeb. H O R E B. Okay. Horeb in in the Bible was the mountain of God, and it was where God found solace in the mountains. And uh, so it was like basically these like. Scandinavian Christians that were in Madison and they decided to go to this like uh, and they it was dairy farmers outside of Mount Horeb okay so we go to this little tiny high school what brought you there work dad's work my dad yeah he just moved us out there he was like a traveling salesman type thing so it was like the median to where he was and the cost of living was lower as well he had five kids we had a house you know rent etc yeah. etc so but I got a better uh, education and a better chance at athletics and uh, Mahar wasn't a bad place. It was like the '90s, like the '70s show in the '90s, basically. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was just a little bit behind on, like 20 yeah. years behind on everything. Yeah. Uh, well, it was just 
it was like because the the seventy show takes place in Wisconsin, and okay. it was like that like small town vibe, and like you knew everybody. But I was the new kid from Chicago, and yeah. everyone grew up with each other, and everyone like already knew each other. So I was like the new kid, yeah. And I was like funny and smart and athletic, and it wasn't hard for me to get along. And then you know like you know I dated people and things, and I was like homecoming king and. You know, was a star athlete and, and really excelled in high school. It wasn't, so you were it wasn't at this high school for the whole time? For four years. And I was the only one in my family that actually stayed at the one high school from the, for, the, for the full duration because they moved all over the place. It's pretty huge, right? Yeah, it's big. And then moving like mid-high school has got to be super rough on kids. Yeah, definitely. And especially going from like a small high school to a much bigger high school where you're yeah. more just like a number. But um, so, yeah, Mount Horeb was a, a different place, man. It's like... Uh, we go to Madison, which was 20 miles away. All of my friends' older brothers were in fraternities. Uh-huh. So that's where I learned to party. It's like really party. It was in these it's frat parties in, in Madison, Wisconsin. Like, but you kind of got – it almost sounds like you were almost the same as what you were – like you were like 10 years ahead of what you should have been living always. Like you were on those roofs working at like doing that job when you shouldn't have been. Now you're doing frat parties when you're in high school. Right. So it's like you're a little bit like a head. Always. And so there must have been something about you that just said to people, like, this guy can handle it. Oh, well, it was, I was, um, we would sneak into the frat parties because it was my, it was their older brothers. So, you know, some of them were cool, some of them were not. Yeah. And so, well, we were punk ass high school kids who would go buy red cups and mm. go sit by the keg and sell $5 red, <laughs> red cups. And we'd fill our pockets with $5 bills oh, that's so until awesome. uh, a fraternity brother would come and f- kick our asses and kick us you out of the party. You would just sit there, huh? So you just, we'd go. That was our stick, dude. That's so smart. And uh, wherever we went, man, I would have a thing of red cups in, my, in the back of my trunk, man, for like, the, my whole duration of high school. <laughs> and, uh, and then we'd also got... When, and then we went to this brawling... We went to this like, fight club type shit. Maybe it was around the same time this shit came out. But we wanted to fight. And we wanted to go pick fights with college kids, and we were high schools, and we were, we thought we were tough. Was it when Fight Club came out? I think so. Or so we I all guess wanted to fight. we were maybe. all like, let's fight. But I mean, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I I, can't, I don't predate that. But yeah. I graduated high school in 2000, so we'd go down to Madison, Wisconsin, downtown, and we'd pick fights with the high school with college. So you would kids. like purposely pick fights. Yeah, it was yeah. Like your goal. Yeah, but we brought this kid, Lazaro Martino. Lazaro. Lazaro Martino. Huh? He was a uh, he's Cuban from Miami. And uh, the whitest family in the planet adopted him in Mount Horror, Wisconsin. So they shipped, they shipped his <laughs> He's like, kid. what the fuck? He was the most troubled kid because he was with the whitest of the white. You got to like, listen to nice, Dude, but, like, gotta, Lazaro Martino, right? You got to listen so. to his book, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, because he talks about going to Australia and he ends up with that same family. <laughs> so... So Lazaro's he's Cuban and he's black. He's the only black kid in our whole household, but he's Cuban, right? So we take him with us, and he was the strongest pound for pound I think I've ever seen in, in a human being. He's got those genetics. And he, we would he we would pick fights, and then Laz would Lazaro would end the fights. He would like he'd like Mike Tyson everybody. <laughs> he's the one hit. Bang him! He Lazaro's like this he, is my I have this very specific set of skills. I knock people out. He would kick people. You'd kick people harder than I've ever seen anyone kick <laughs> And they would destroy people. Anyways, so we'd, we'd pick fights and we'd come home and, and, we'd, and we'd go to high school with like uh, uh, black eyes and bruises. And 
And we thought it was kind of What were cool. your parents saying about all this? Oh, they didn't know. We would just go down to Madison for the night. And it was but just how would you whole... come back with, like, black eyes and shit? And oh, just, like, we got a scuffle. You, you know, just hey, put like, makeup I, on? Oh, I, I caught an elbow in basketball practice or oh, like, yeah. something like that. You know, it wasn't very hard. It wasn't very hard. <laughs> it wasn't very hard. <laughs> so high school was a thing, man. And uh, ended, up, ended up being, you know, ended up turning out pretty well. And I had a pretty good time and I had good friends and... Um, it was uh, even all the teachers and all the whatever else. It was the principal. The vice principal was like a fan of our senior class. He like, it's like he mine too. Loved so us. funny. And he, we got away with murder. We would ditch school all the time. And I'd smoke weed um, <laughs> every morning. And then every day, every day at lunch, every morning, we'd smoke so weed. And then every day at lunch. We and then I also got, we'd, I got a plug in Madison, and now I was selling weed in high school out of my locker in a big jar. Making good money. And then also selling wait, so, pipes. So wait, so how did you transition to, so you started to go to the frat. Is that where you got introduced to like Oh, weed? everything. How, well, no, that, we, we was always around. I mean, we always so how did weed. you start like? But we, yeah, we got, just got hooked up with the right people, the right, the right college kids that were, they were actually getting it from Colorado. Uh, yeah. Actually, it's kind of funny to think about. And we would get good wheat, and we would buy a quarter pound at a time. But you, like, how did you get hooked up with this? Uh, we just, we'd go downtown, and we'd put our money together, me, you know. Yeah, but like, I don't know, but when did you decide, like, I'm going to start selling weed? Well, I looked at the fact that if I bought, uh, if I bought a quarter, yeah. seven grams, you know, start small. Yeah. If I bought, so if I bought two grams. But who, like, who introduced, like, through the frat parties and stuff? Is how you got introduced you know, more to more high or? school. More high school. Like, the older kids in high school. They would have okay. weed, but it wouldn't be that very good. And then we found weed that was much better than what the older class was getting. And then yeah. all of a sudden, we were the people. Lucas Dowd and I basically were the Lucas Dowd. Lucas Dowd. Here we go. And Lucas Dowd, he was, he was an animal. And uh, skinny kid, like uh, dirt bike guy, just like just, just going for it. And me and him would always have weed on us no matter where we would go. Yeah. It was just very early. But I learned if, you know, you'd sell, uh, you'd sell uh, an eighth uh-huh. and, then, and then you'd sell a gram. And then all of a sudden you you were you were smoking for free, and then all of a sudden you would sell an ounce, and then you'd have an ounce that you would have for free, or and then you, yeah. could, you could smoke and then make money, and then all of a sudden you make, you, I can make money and smoke for free. Whoa. When did you start? So when did you start smoking? Probably uh, sophomore year in high school. I think was when we really got into it, like really, because yeah. we finally found it. And then I smoked with my dad when I was sixteen, and that was a turning point in our relationship because yeah. we were so much alike. And then. Um, I was going to go to ASU for uh, spring break. I knew a college girl there, and I was going to go visit her. And um, I'm trying to think of her name, but I can't. I was going to say her full name. So uh, I go visit the gal in ASU, and before I go, I borrow my dad's car to go get toiletries and whatever else for travel stuff. And then I saw, like, roaches in his ashtray and, like, weed in his car. And I was like, Dad smokes weed. And I was like, this is great. But also, I'm like, dang, he's being pretty open because it's just, like, in his car. So he must smoke a lot if he's, like, this careless. It's just, like, this careless and stuff. So, like, I vacuumed his car, cleaned out his ashtray, kept the roaches for him, and then confronted him before he went to the airport. And I was like, here, here, Pop, like, man, like, um, I took your car out and you had like stuff like all over and, he, and I was like here's the roaches and he's like he grabbed the bag he took the roaches so he was him. like uh oh I done fucked up not even that no he was like stay out of my business this is my business and I think he was at a turning but he, point but he didn't realize you were about to like connect with him no and then yeah. I was like dad you don't understand like I don't have any weed right now and I'm traveling and I'm I get nervous when I travel I hate airplanes 
can you, if you have any weed, can you please smoke me out on the way to the airport yeah. so I'm not fucking freaking out? And he's like, blah, 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 don't worry about it. And then it was like this so quiet, <laughs> this big quiet thing, yeah. quiet moment. And then halfway to the airport, I look over and my dad has a joint in his mouth and he's going, spark of the joint. <laughs> and you're just like, thank you, God. And it was this unspoken thing where I didn't even say anything. And he reaches over and, he, and remember he like, he gave me this like nudge, like forearm fucking dad shiver. Yeah. This big nudge and then he passed me the joint. And he, he did it like almost like, hey, you're like one of my dudes now. Or, yeah, but he, I think he understood though. My dad understood weed and how it actually helps you. So, well, um, it's gotta be nice because that was like a long. That was like when the stigma about weed was really crazy too. So like for your dad, <laughs> oh yeah, my dad is and like my you don't even. Do you understand how mm-hmm. like lucky you were to yeah. so, be in that open mindedness? So I came back from Arizona. Oh, the, the weed was shit, by the way. It was brown, Mexican, dirty <laughs> crap. The seeds Where were, was he getting the seeds were popping and gave me a he headache. He didn't have a connection. Yeah. And I said, Dad, don't worry about it. When I come back, I'm going to hook you up with some good weed. And then after that, my dad would get weed from me. So you were your dad's drug dealer and for a little bit. No, I just gave him ganja. He got his coke probably someplace else. <laughs> <laughs> well, gone, that was illegal though, right? Yeah, it was legal then. Yeah, for sure. But... So just, your dad was he like... Would, he would go to the ghetto. Yeah. And he'd go knock on some fucking ghetto door. Uh-huh. And then they would sell him, like, whatever. And then, you know, he, from his blues musician friends down in Chicago, that's how he'd get his weed. Did he play music? No, not really. He played the harmonica. Yeah. But he never really was like that. But he just loved blues, and he always hung around musicians. Like, always. Yeah. Like and even when I would go back to visit him, we'd go to the juke joints downtown. And we'd oh, go you to would? All the, yeah, we'd go that's to all fun. these places. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Something about he, me, musicians just live their life free. Those places don't exist anymore, man. Those juke joints, Sad, they're huh? all closed. They're all closed. They don't exist. How fun we would, would that go, be to go out to there tonight? So it would be the most amazing blues you'd ever heard. These guys are, are top-notch musicians. They play three, four nights a week, and the and the top-paying job is on Sunday mornings. They play in church. Sunday morning. Oh, church. They play church. Okay. And, that was the, that was, and then there was the most strenuous. That's the top-paying. The top-paying and the most stren- <laughs> and the strenuous. The most strenuous. Yeah. So you had to be on the top of your game to play in the gospel church. In the church? Yep, in church. So that was like where people were coming to like recruit people or what? No. This is like if where the people that could sing If you're a musician and, and, and if you play keyboards, right? But you and were so, trying to get gigs in a church. Church was the best playing gig, man. That's huh. what the musicians would say. But they were joking around about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, was, it was a joke. They're like the best playing gigs on Sundays. You know, blah, blah, blah. So these guys would play from next to nothing. Yeah. They were amazing musicians and that's how they got along with their lives. And my dad knew every single one of them. And then my dad also like partied with them and hung out with them and my dad loved black women after he married a, a white woman for 25 years he's yeah. like why would I want that anymore so my my dad always loved black women and he actually lived in the ghetto for a while he lived like dirty behind the yards like like ghetto man I'm talking like ghetto ghetto like you would think of a ghetto and then it's more than that <laughs> really <laughs> yes. and you were how old when he was doing this so I was I was already I moved out of the house already I was like I was out of college, and I was living in California. Yeah. So he moved to this, like, apartment building above the juke joint, above the yeah. bar. How would you feel about that? Dude, terrible, man. But, like, you know, he loved it because he was at a point in time in his life, and he's partying. And Did he gateway drug himself into others? <laughs> you know, they always talk about Weed's marijuana as a gateway. It is, but, it is. like, you what? So? so, like, your dad, so he was kind of tell a... What, tell you what, there's a book out there. Uh-huh. Whoever believes that story right now about marijuana as a gateway drug. There's, there's a book out there by a gentleman. 
I'll have to look up his name. It's called A Gateway to Health. Okay. And this doctor basically wrote this book saying, some point of your adult life, whether it be younger or, or much, much older, that cannabis is going to come across your radar and it's going to help you out in some certain type of way. And I'll then, say marijuana is... Go ahead. When, so pe- people think marijuana is a gateway drug. Yeah. It's a gateway to health. And if, and if you know, if you... If you're if you're an experimental person and you're just curious about how how things make you feel and you're yeah. not you're not worried about the consequences and you just want to go, go along for the ride, I think that's why people are like drawn to drugs. You know? well, I feel like because marijuana for me, I would say like the reason I'm sitting here with you and like I feel like my life is coming together in a way that I really like. A big part of it is like being open minded to marijuana because I shut it down like I was Mormon. So I couldn't touch the stuff. And so there's so many people that like won't let themselves like step outside of what like the stigma of what they've heard. Mm. And so for me, it's been like game changer for sure. Mm. It's been like the biggest healing. Because I did mushrooms. Marijuana to me is like mush way better than mushrooms. (laughs) But I don't know about my first mushroom experience. Yeah, we're we're going to have to uh, maybe revisit that. But. Uh, in conversation and and scientific experience, but so you and your dad smoke it up, dude. So yeah, dude, yeah, we smoked. And it, was, it was great. So this is yeah. when he lives in the ghetto. The first no, time you no, smoke no, or no? no dude, this is this was in high school, and then he, so he's living above this bar, mm-hmm. and then uh, I was like, "Fuck that, pop! You're moving with me." And mm-hmm. I was living in California in Hermosa Beach on Eighth Street on this hilltop. We had this great house with a hot tub in the backyard. And it was split level, so there was like a garage and also a, a, a downstairs bedroom with a bathroom. And uh, so I flew my dad out, and he came and he stayed. And uh, his his goal was to, we're gonna we're gonna grow weed. Yeah. Me and him were gonna grow weed. So we built this we built this grow house in the side of the house. You and your dad. Yep, and we had a greenhouse as well. That's so awesome. And uh, he came out for uh, he's gonna stay for the winter and then see how it worked out because he got out of Chicago winter and I moved him out of the ghetto. So I got him out of there. I'm like, you're not staying in the ghetto anymore. So he came and stayed and we had this, and I was living with Gabriel. Mm-hmm. So I was dating Gabriel and... Uh, Gabriel Fuentes? Gabriel Palmatier. Palmatier. Palmatier, yeah. She was, she was lovely. Gabe, Gabe was a great person. I'm sure she still is. She's probably a lovely mother. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Gabe was a fantastic ballet dancer. Very talented. She was trained in, in Juilliard and uh, in New York. Oh, really? Yeah, she was very classically trained, and she took ballet very serious, and she ate, like, celery and tofu. <laughs> Is that where you got that? Is that where you got healthy? Uh, yeah, yeah, she helped me get... Well, I, she would help me be mindful of not eating. Because Paul's of, like a junk food. He's that dude where you're like, come on, are you gonna? Are you seriously going to eat just that shit? Like, he's that guy. You hang out with him. And he's like ordering like cauliflower. He's asking the waitress like, "Do you have the cauliflower with a side of carrots?" And they're like, "Who the fuck are you?" I don't actually don't eat cauliflower. <laughs> I don't eat cauliflower or, or carrots. You do get those cauliflowers at the view house. Sometimes. Well, those are just like that's like that's the, the healthiest junk food. Yeah, it's not Dude, meat. All that and shit and, sucks. Well, because it's fried and they put <laughs> buffalo sauce on it. Good buffalo. lord. There's buffalo sauce on that? Yes. Oh, God. Those it's, guys. it's like wings, but they're yeah. cauliflower. But cauliflower is devout of nutrients. It's the most hybridized broccoli. Even broccoli is like, yeah, it's 
good, but it's just for agricultural purposes. We can talk about food and diet. That's a yeah, whole. Yeah, so this is like, go this on. is good though. Like, just touch on it. We'll do another one. Um. So, <clears throat> so let let me put it all in perspective. Um. So I smoke with my dad. We become best friends. He moves to California with me. Mm-hmm. I had a collection of ganja. We, we're running cannabis companies at that point in time. Um. He moves back to Chicago, and. Uh, becomes job of the fucking hut eating all of his <laughs> eating all of his chicago pizzas and deep dishes and after i worked on his <laughs> cholesterol i saw him the last time i saw him before he died of a heart attack in the middle of the night god rest in peace and um he was just gigantic he was, he was spilling over the steering wheel of his car and everything and i was just like oh pop so once he passed away i was hefty i was a little bit hefty, like chunkier and just and then I dove into my own existence as far as your, like, like what was the biggest you ever were? Oh, I got up to like two fifty five. Two fifty five? Yeah, two fifty five. But like yeah. you weren't like a healthy two fifty five, it was just Dude, I was always huge, bro. Shit. I was uh I was growing weed <clears throat> and herbal cure and then I was working at a sports bar called Charlie's. Okay. It was Italian restaurant slash sports bar. I was a bartender because I hated my girlfriend. I didn't want to go <laughs> I didn't want to go home. So instead of going home, I got this bar job because I wanted to like save money so we can get buy a house together or something. I don't fucking know. <laughs> buy a house with somebody you hate. Yeah, exactly. That's a great concept, exactly. by the way. Yeah, so I didn't want to spend time with that. that. Yeah. I'm like, you hate I'm her? Like, you guys should get a house. Yeah. Or have We're a baby. Gonna, like, baby. Or I have just, a baby. So she wanted a baby. No, any, yeah, she wanted all that stuff. Anyways, that's a whole different story. <laughs> so I, was, I got to about to 255. So my dad passed away of a heart attack, so I got into I got into food and I got into really health. Yeah. And in California, you have all of those things. So when we would share cannabis with people, they would share their alternative medicines and alternative health with us. So we got to know about all different types of Ayurvedic medicines and um, uh, uh, biodynamic uh, bacteria that we had blessed to us. If I still had the bacteria, I'd be a billionaire right now. Uh, we had this lactose bacillus that this lady from Santa Barbara gave to us from the 70s. Uh-huh. She said she had million-dollar offers from these big corporate companies, but she never sold out. But she gave us a sample of it. Really? I'd put it in apple ju- apple juice, or uh-huh. like, but like unfiltered organic apple juice, yeah. and become a probiotic. It'd become fermented. Oh, really? And I called it japple juice. So it was amazing. It was fucking the most amazing thing you've ever had in your life. Did she ever do anything with it? No, and I was going to market it, so she passed away. Oh. And then when she passed away, I still had the chapel juice, and a few of my friends had the, had the culture to the chapel juice scientists? as well. So <laughs> I literally, I was like, we have to take this to market. No one has it. There's yeah. nothing out there like it right now. Like, there's, like, sure, there's kombuchas and apple cider vinegar drinks and other stuff, but there's and no... all that fermented There's not a fermented... You take. But it's a fermented apple juice. Who Everyone loves apple juice, right? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You can give it to your kids... Yeah. So it was great if you had a little sour stomach, you just have a little japple juice, and then my my the buddy japple. would be like, "It's like scrubbing bubbles down your throat and your esophagus <laughs> to your to your it's like this healing scrubbing bubbles, you know, <laughs> you know that commercial with bubbles, the, yeah, the scrubbing bubbles, yeah." So, anyway, so we were running cannabis. <laughs> so once my dad died, I really I I went into this I went to a mode where. I, I didn't put one thing into my body unless it was a medicine and I unless I knew exactly what it was going to do for me and what I needed it to do. Yeah. And uh, so I went down this like green juice wrong and I do um fasting for I do 10-day juice fasts and um I really got into my health and then I found yoga um which is just this other, you know, I, I got into it because I wanted to fix my sports injuries from, yeah. from basketball um knees and ankles in particular. Okay. 
because I wanted to play basketball for a longer time. So yeah. I heard if I take if I do yoga, I become more flexible. I become a better basketball it's player. So good. And he's then, been trying to get me into this stuff, and I'm like, I'd rather break my body. <laughs> he's waiting for me to fall apart until he can like fix me. Well, <laughs> you know, um, I've you know swayed a little bit now. I'm doing more CrossFit training. I do do yoga still every day, but not like I used to. Yeah. I think yoga was my everything and my all. And so you was, haven't, like the yogas you kind of haven't been doing recently. No, I still do it every day, but it's not like my, it's it was, it's not my mainstay. I, I don't do like so you, 90 minutes of power yoga. I will do you got like, 60 minutes of like stretching and breathing and opening and scrubbing my body. Yeah. But before it was like diving into my existence and carving my body out with these long Hatha yoga poses yeah. and these really intricate movements where you're just uh, with balance and coordination. And I'd love to get back to that. Um, well, that's... But it's like, I'm, I loved to do like squats and kettlebells and jump well, it's and interesting. basketball. And it's like... interesting you say that because I feel like that's, like you see a lot of yoga people mm-hmm. where it's the same thing as CrossFit people. Or it's the same thing as like religious people. Like, you get so sucked into something where it becomes like your identity. And so it's fun to be able to like learn it, to become like a full expert. I was like that with golf. Mm. I got like, I got to get as good as I possibly can. Golf is life. And then I realized like golf's not life. There's more to life. So you have yoga, but then uh, it's like kettlebells. And then like all this other stuff is also like you can, you can have like <laughs> more than what you think. And I think people me. limit themselves to like, Yoga is me. I will die a yoga master and just well, do yoga. I'll, I'll say this. To, to integrate everything that you do and moderation is key to everything, mm-hmm. there is something to the fact that I have that in my tool belt. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You like build your tool it. belt. But also, it, there is going to be a point in time in my life where I know that I'm going to have to go back to that point of yoga for longevity purposes yeah, so when you. i get into 50 60 and 70 i start to go back into that really that power yeah and that really transition to it but and you know like um, what that's all about also i had the most ethereal the most wonderful yoga studios that had the most amazing teachers but not as good were... as carlos springs is is what i've heard from you they're the best here that you've ever seen same man like venice beach in california and yoga and i found hatha katona and ayangar and between those three those three, like, Hatha was amazing. I had the most amazing teachers that taught me the fundamentals of yoga and really had to yoga, had to, had to take my breath and my movement and my concentration and dive into yourself for yeah. an hour. You are, and then use your movement as an expression. It's like a dance. It's a, it's a yeah. flow. All you right, go, let me throw something out there real quick. You go quick. into a flow state. Tabitha Rose. Love so it. if we set up, listeners, this isn't to you. This is to my listeners I'm talking to right now. If we did yoga with Paul at my Pure Energy warehouse, we set mats up, email me, kingofcorona2020 at gmail. I just want to know because I think it's helpful. I've done a few different sessions with Paul with like uh, breathing meditations and stuff also because you got pretty into that. Mm-hmm. But the stuff, like, it's fucking weird as, like, you start to get into this stuff, and it's like, it is weird. If Why? You, just because, like, I'm just saying, I'm What's talking. What's weird about it? It's like this, I'm saying. It's weird only to people that think it's weird right now. Well, so it becomes not weird. So all I'm saying is, like, it's helpful, but, like, don't close your mind to something just because it's, like, it seems weird, you know? All right. 
But let's just say this. Wanna... Yoga makes sense more now than it ever has in human evolutionary history. This is a form and a function that was developed by the Vedic culture very, very, very long time ago. And it was really kind of developed for hierarchy, uh, princes, princes, boys in Vedic culture. Vedic would be like in India, basically, like yeah. long, long, long time ago. The boys of princes and hierarchy were taught these forms and functions from these Sufis that was passed down from lineages. And it was to develop their sense of self because their hormones were going crazy and they wanted to hump everything that they saw <laughs> so this was a this was a way for them to really get into this form and function yeah and then how you know it was also in meditation and purposes to the vedic culture they had a lot of herbs a lot of supplements a lot of different um, um forms that they would take in ingest to become in heightened enlightened states of yeah. mind okay but if you fast forward to more of a himalayan uh, buddhist tibetan culture they took that, that basically forms and functions of ingesting supplements and herbs, and and they have different you know names and tinctures and all this other stuff. And they decided that they can get there without all those things as well. Yeah. And that the human body is then a, a form that is already perfect. You're already in a meditative state of mind, basically at all times. It's just your monkey mind getting in the way of all that chatter. Yeah, but your meditative mind is in the underlining peace and tranquility is a yeah. right that's given to us at birth. And it's not until we're slapped on the ass by a doctor and we start to cry that is that we forget about that. Do you know what's interesting? So, because when I did, I haven't really talked about, like, I did that one podcast with Joni where I talked about the mushrooms. But I never went into, like, my full insights behind it. Like, since I did mushrooms... I feel like it broke down this barrier where I could actually start to just like see things for what they were. It was like a huge, it was a huge benefit to eliminate like anxiety and kind of eliminated it like, like almost like permanently, which is, I feel like a huge benefit to see things how they are. Yeah. Psilocybin's great like that. Yeah. You know, um, it's starting to be used all, you know, in a lot of different PTSD and a lot of other different ways. And I believe how psilocybin works uh, in my, even when I started eating mushrooms at a younger age, at like maybe 18, 19, 20 years old. Yeah. And I started using it for moral and, and ethical purposes where I wouldn't eat mushrooms and go and like laugh with my friends and go to parties. Like yeah. I would go eat mushrooms and, and I would go and like concentrate on like on honesty and like, and virtue and like loyalty and like yeah. all these different things to like concrete those into my sense of self and how it uses is like a tool basically. And, um, and then, you know, there's different rec recreational stuff, maybe like, you know, in the desert in Joshua tree in California and you know, just eat mushrooms and, <laughs> and just go and like lay around with like yogis and like yeah. massage each other and stuff like that. And, you know, there's just different ways of, of going about it, but they, like they, but it does, it does, it does, it does, it does break down mental barriers that you put up for yourself over many years. And sometimes you have to deal with those mental barriers and you have to kind of deal with this shit. It's just, but I always come up with premonitions about myself and I feel <clears throat> in my true sense of self and I like almost hold myself and I'm like, you are a good person. Yeah. And I, and I get these feels and I'm like, wow, 
you are a really, really wonderful and really good, good person. It's not a great feeling. Yeah, and then it's like something that's deeper than my own sense of self, though. Yeah. You know, and then I get those and that's, feels. And that kind of started with your, like, to get to that point was this whole yoga, meditation, like, to be able to sit with yourself. Uh, well, that was maybe, like, so I believe that anything that, again, going from this Vedic culture where they used to, they, they came up with these all these ideas, had all these different ways of ingesting all these different herbs, getting to this utopian society, yeah. but then getting to a place where, like, you don't need all that as well, is that I believe that when you get, like, really, really high on substances, it's like you can touch the divine for, like, what, up to, like, two hours. Mm-hmm. You, and then you get to, that's your... That's your vehicle for that point. Yeah. Right? So you get to go and you get to touch the vine. You get to you get to go and feel those feels, and then there's what goes up must come down, and so then you get to feel the feels of that withdrawal as well. Yeah. Not touching the vine anymore, and then so that's how I think addiction is formed in the form of, in your brain, anything that you do is um, a neuroscientist. She actually ex- explained it to me like. The very first time you do something is like when you go down a sled hill for the very first time, mm-hmm. and then if you and then the second time you do it, you go down the same exact trail, the sled hill. Yeah, so you, you make your path. You make your path, and so then you make that neural pathway, yeah. and that's how basically you go about things. So I believe that when people get to these utopian feels outside of themselves, because maybe they came through tons of trauma through their childhood and everything else, and they're trying to touch this, these divine senses, is that you could get there. And then through this other Christianity and through this Mormon and, and, and you know, all LDS and et cetera, et cetera, they want to go and touch the divine. And mm-hmm. then that's what I say. Everyone is They're trying blocking to... blocking their blessings. Everyone is trying to be greater than themselves, whether yeah. you're going to the bar or whether you're going to the temple or the church or the mosque. We're all looking for something greater than yeah. ourselves. So what I found is the most pure and the most wonderful and high as you call it yeah i would get is after a really intense yoga session when i'm flooding my body full of oxygen concentrating and in the meditative state and moving my body mixed with my breath and i go you go into this flow type state that i get off the mat roll your mat up and i'd walk outside and then ride my bicycle to the ocean and then go jump in the ocean you know yeah. And so with those it's just like you feel free. So those those over and over and over again feels. So through that is is the same. And you so if you can find a way to quiet yourself and to understand that life is much more than your cyclic patterns of what you ingest inside your body every single day. Yeah. And if you can find the way of balance and that's what it's really about is intel, intelligently overcoming your situations no matter what you're doing. No matter if you're moving from state to state you're going to a different climate you're going to a different environment you're going to in, in different things and I, I think that's not my that's not my trick in life because yeah. i have all the herbs i have the shilajits and the rhodiola and the ginkgo bioba and i mean i can go on and on and on yeah and but in essence if you mm. don't if you don't have balance in your everyday life then you're never gonna you're never gonna reach there yeah and it's not through someone else trying to tell you these different parameters of your of your living that's how how you're going to reach it as well that's a really good point that's a really good point like i feel like that is so we got to end this we'll do another one like i'll just have you on again okay 
So this would be like our yeah, first I, one. I thought we could probably just go on for hours and hours. That's course. the problem. Like we could. So I kind of want to go you, out though and do you, something. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I poured out. I think I, I definitely went into some childhood stuff and I went into some like old school stuff, which is very interesting. Yeah. And I feel like it takes a lot of trusts and a lot of. Um, influence to have that so i do trust tyler i trust his podcast and i trust the people listening to it maybe if you catch a little something off this then uh that's my intention and my intention is to really spread uh positivity and, and yeah. love and light and um hopefully someone you know really enjoys this as well. yeah I, like i appreciate that too though because me and him talk a lot about just like meeting people in life and sometimes, like, you just meet people and it seems like just the right fit. But it's hard to trust people at the level you want to trust them. So for you to come on and just say that, like, like you trust my podcast and you're willing to go on here. Because I know you're, like, a ghost, dude. Uh, yeah. Like, you, you don't even exist anywhere. But now you can find me. I'm, not, I'm on here. And you can hear my voice. And yeah. you can look me up. If you look me up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how does anybody look you up? Um, I, you can look me up on, um, on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, reach out to Tyler if you really want to reach. That's out. what I'm saying. I think it'd be fun though, if like if because I, for me personally, Paul has been like a very huge help because I went through like a really tough divorce last year. I was going through like chemo with my son. He just moved here from California. Like was stuck in Shitsville, fucking Ordway, like dying for how many months? Two months. Two months. So then we kind of came together at this weird time where it was like there's a lot going on in his life. A lot going into my life. And oh, it was yeah. like, but that was what was so cool. It was like, you felt like, it's almost like that definition of trust your intuition. Mm. It's like, trust your intuition. Like, I had some douchebag selling like all these accounts. I could have stuck with him and like blown this business up and made like a lot of money. But I was like, he's not, I don't trust this guy. So I was like, Paul, I trust him. Maybe he's not going to sling all these numbers like right away. Mm. But I could see like potential. So it was just fun to like, like I said, I just appreciate you coming on, not even really like having listened to a lot of my podcast, but just knowing like my character and what I'm trying to do. So I appreciate yeah. that. No worries. So no worries, guys. anyway, yeah, we'll do another one. All right. Love you guys. Bye.